our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today. In Yeshua's name, amen. So last week, Rabbi Michael uh, started our new series, In Season, Bearing Good Fruit, uh, encouraging us that the empowerment of the Ruach that we received on Shavuot is not only to allow us to flow in miraculous signs and wonders, but also so that his fruit would develop in our lives and that the development of that fruit will equally impact the people around us with the Besorah, the good news. I believe in signs and wonders, and I believe that we need to see them manifested greater than we do. But I want to tell you, without the fruit, and like Rabbi Michael spoke on love last week, what did Rob will say in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I have not love, I'm what? I'm like a clanging cymbal. In other words, you're, you're a big noise. So if we want to impact our community, our coworkers, not only do we want to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, but we want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our life because that speaks volumes to the world around us as well, that that fruit is uh, flourishing in the trees of our life. So the text for our series is Galatians 5, and uh, verses 19 through 23. And it is perfectly evident what the old nature does. It expresses itself in sexual immorality, impurity, and indecency, involvement with the occult and with drugs, infuting, fighting, becoming jealous, getting angry, selfish ambition, factionalism, which is divisions, intrigue and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you now, as I have warned you before, those who do such things will have no share in the kingdom of God. That's the old nature. But we have a new nature. One, we have been born anew through accepting Yeshua as the Messiah, and we have been filled with his Ruach. So the fruit of the spirit of the Ruach is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in the Torah stands against these things. Why? Because the Torah encourages us to do the same, right? Rabbi Michael spoke on love. What does the Torah say? Love your neighbor as yourself and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. So these fruit of the Spirit are what are encouraged in the Torah as well because it's one book connected together. And as Rabbi Michael spoke last week about being filled with the love of God, encourages that that love should flow from us and be demonstrated through our words and action. So today I'm speaking on the second of the fruit of the Spirit, which is on joy. I love speaking on joy, and I often do a message at Sukkot time, which is known as what? Zaman. And my husband gets that song going, and he goes a little faster and a little faster, a little faster each time we do that song. But this man simkatenu is the season of our joy. So often, I or my husband will do a message on joy at Sukkot time. So one uh, scholar, Craig Keener, who actually was a friend of mine, we went to Bible college together, uh, wrote in his commentary that fruit, talking about this verse in Galatians, is simply produced 
by the nature of the tree. Now, many of you know the story of the apple tree that we have in our backyard by accident. You know, my daughter, when she was younger, kept saying, Mom, why don't we plant an apple tree? And I was saying to her, you know, Abigail, by the time, you know, you don't grow apples in one year, you'll probably be out of the house. So, but lo and behold, the dogwood tree that we thought we planted ends up being, well, it is a dogwood tree, but it, somehow it was spliced together with an apple tree. So the front half is apple, and the back half is dogwood. So, you know, a few years ago, it's been quite a few years ago, uh, we're sitting there, and someone is uh, out on our deck, and they look up and say, is that an apple up there? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, so God gave my daughter the desire of her ha heart to have an apple tree. She just has to fight the squirrels for those apples because they like them. So, uh, But that apple tree didn't do anything to grunt and groan to get that fruit. And all along, all those years that it was growing as a dogwood tree, in my mind, it was preparing itself to bear the fruit that it was meant to bear, which was apples, right? So that's the whole principle that Craig is saying is that fruit is a natural part of what the tree is. And God wants us to bear this fruit. It should be something that we allow to develop in us because we are filled with the Ruach. Amen? So his nature should be our nature. There are around 400 mentions of joy or jo joy-related themes in the scriptures. And the majority of the time it's referring to spiritual joy. There is a natural joy that people have over things that happen, you know, the joy of a birth of a baby and things, and those are in the scriptures as well. But most of the time when it speaks about joy, it's talking about this spiritual aspect of joy that should be in our life. We all know the scripture, or most of us are familiar with it, from Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says what? The joy of the Lord is our our strength. So whenever you are weak, you need to get a dose of joy, not joy that the world has to give because the joy the world has to give is not real joy. The joy of the Lord, though, will strengthen you in whatever situation you may be. But many times in life, we feel like we have nothing to be joyful about, and we're going to talk about this a little bit in the message. When we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, and storms come to every one uh, of us. Uh, Cassini Gannon shared a devotional our first morning about in the storms of life. And, you know, she was right when she shared, we don't ask for storms to come. They just come. And sometimes when we're in those storms, we feel like, I don't have a reason to be joyful because I'm in a storm and the boat is rocking and, and everything is going wrong. Or when you're facing a challenge that you feel you cannot overcome, or when life is just overwhelming you, it is hard to rejoice. And I get it. Because like you, I have storms that come my way, believe it or not. And not only is it hard to rejoice in those moments, in fact, sometimes we give ourselves a pass. So look at your rabbi, everyone. Look up here. I'm not giving you a pass. You know me. I'm not giving you a pass. Because we are called to bear the fruit of joy. And I know some of your situations more intimately than I know others. And I know some of you are going through some tough stuff. But I want to tell you, this fruit of joy needs to be evident in your life, even in the tough stuff. And what I'm telling you has to be the same for me. I have tough stuff going on in my life. This fruit, love, joy, peace, 
patience, etc., needs to be something that is blossoming in our lives. Amen, Rabbi Carol. Whew, good preaching. Joy should be a dominant trait of a spirit-filled life. Acts 13.52 says, The Talmudim were filled with joy and with the Ruach Hashem. They're connected closely together, joy and the Ruach. Why? Because it's the fruit of the Ruach. So when you read in Acts and it talks about the Talmudim being filled, it's often connected that they were filled with joy as well. Think about what Rav Shaul says to the Kehilah in Thessalonica. Actually, he says this to several congregations, but in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, 16, he gives this simple command, always rejoice. Now, we don't need to get a dictionary out to understand what always means. We don't even have to look at the Greek word to understand. What does always mean, everyone? Always, right? I mean, I could do a word study on it and uh, the etymology of the Greek and everything, but bottom line, always means what? Let's say that again. Always means what? Always. That means at all time. You get what Rav Shul is saying? He, so he's telling this Kehilah there in Thessalonica. Always, 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 always rejoice. Turn to your neighbor and give him that exhortation. Always rejoice. Myrna was a little more diligent. She said always, always, always. On top of that, God is a joyful God. Now, we don't always think of God as joyful. We have a lot of other images in our mind. We think of God as a judge. Most of the time, that's a portrayal that people have. God is this judge, and he's, ooh, you know, uh, to be feared. And he is, you know, uh, uh, to be feared. He, he's awesome. And, you know, and we know God is our savior. He's our deliverer. He's our healer. But God is a God of joy. And if God is a God of joy and his ruach is a ruach of joy and we're to be in him and his characteristics are to be ours, then joy should be part of who we are as well. So in Tehillim 104 verse 31, it says, May the glory of Adonai last forever. May Adonai rejoice in his works. And then Sephaniah 317, I love this verse. It says, Adonai, your God, is right there with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's with you. Now look at me. I want to tell you right now, God is right there in the midst of whatever hell you might be going through or whatever glory you may be experiencing this week. God is right there with you. God is right there with you. And that could preach, but I can't right now because I've got to get back to my message. As a mighty Savior... He will rejoice over you and be glad. He will shout over you with joy. Wow. Did you get a picture of God shouting over you up in heaven right now? I find New Yorkers to be a little more reserved than people from Missouri just saying, you know, uh, I remember Sister Taki from Shirley. Uh, she missed out on Abigail's bat mitzvah because Pastor Rainer you know, struggling with cancer, but she remembers coming to Josiah's, and every time she sees us, she talks about my family, because they were very loud, she said. Your family was loud over there, waving those napkins and hooting in the holler. So, but I think we know how to shout in Missouri. 
I think some New Yorkers need to learn how to shout a little bit more, and we're going to talk about that in this message. You've got to get a picture of God shouting over you with joy. The scriptures also tell us that he delights in us, and another scripture tells us that he dances over you with joy. In other words, he's pretty excited about you. Isn't that cool to know? And again, that could preach, but another day, because we want to get back to our message. But think about God up in heaven right now is joyful when he looks down and he sees you here. Amen. So three things I want to encourage us this morning. First of all, we find joy in Adonai's presence. One writer said joy is a byproduct of life with God. We know many of the scriptures that talk about this. One is Devei Hayamim, Allah, 1 Chronicles 16, 27, which says, in his presence, God's presence, are honor and majesty, we get that, and in his place are strength and joy. So where is our source of joy? It's in God. That's why abiding in the, in the Ruach and we, you know, uh, we believe in our powerful experience we had in the service here on Shavuot, and we talked about this because we're a spirit-filled, Ruach-filled, you know, congregation and, and, and a group of people, and, and many of the, the leaders there were talking about that uh, very topic that we need to emphasize the Ruach in our services. And, and that that's who we are and that we can't minimize his place from children to, to adults. And, and the Ruach is joy and God is joy. So if we are in his presence, we're going to experience joy. The psalmist says, you make me know the path of life, Tehillim, Psalm 1611. In your presence is unbounded joy. Now, to me, that means lots of joy. That means, you know, there's an old chorus we used to sing growing up in the congregation, joy unspeakable and flowing over, right? Well, that's what I think of when I, yeah, Myrna could sing a tune for you, <laughs> a line or two for you afterwards. Uh, but it's joy unspeakable. It's an unbounded joy. It's a, 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 a lot of joy, uh, you know, to the moon and back and beyond, right? This is the joy that we find in God's presence. In your right hand, eternal delight, delight, again, connecting it to joy. And God wants us to understand that where does our joy come from? You want, the, you want strength, you need to have the joy of the Lord. You're in the Ruach, you need to be demonstrating joy in your life. It happens because you come into his presence. And then we are told in Tehillim, Psalm 42, verse 4, 43, verse 4, I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy. God is my joy, right? So, again, we can say, God, he's my savior. God, he's my deliverer. God, he's my healer. But the psalmist was saying here, God is my joy. So we need to have that heart towards who God is. God, you are my joy. And I will praise you on the lyre, God, my God. Not only is God himself a source of joy, but his word brings joy. The psalmist says in Tehillim 19.8, and we read this scripture often at Simchat Torah time, the precepts of Adonai are right, rejoicing the heart. So we find joy in God's presence. We find joy in his word. Basic, basic 101 discipleship, but the enemy comes against the basics right and left every day in your life. And that's why from this pulpit, 
we are constantly encouraging you, and that's why Panim El Panim, face to face, you will often hear my husband and I say to you, how are your devotions doing? Why? Because if you are not in his presence and if you are not in his word, not only will the joy not be evident in your life, but there will be a lot of other things lacking, and there will be a big, big struggle. That's why we encourage you to come to service every week, and we encourage you, this is all freebie stuff, just saying. <laughs> Remember, I'm sleep deprived. We encourage you to get here on time because worship brings in the presence of God, and you should be worshiping at home. Now, they were talking about worship there at the, at the uh, conference, and someone was talking about the concept of dance and what congregation has it and what doesn't. And one rabbi said, well, you know, people can't always dance good. And I said, well, you know, if that was the criteria for how we worship, I said, everyone in my congregation knows I'm the joyful noise section. I said, then I couldn't sing out in the congregation because, you know, my range is very limited, and I know when I'm out of that range. And my husband's range is, usually takes me out of my range. So I can sing with Myrna. Uh, because she's more in my range, and Ray Lynn, because they're more in my range, but my husband just takes me out of that range. But the whole point is that in worship is where he ushers his presence in, and where you can experience, right? In his presence, there is joy, there is peace. And so that's why we, we've, we preach many, many messages and series even on worships in the past, and I'm sure we'll do it in the future again. But you need to be in his presence. That requires you to be in worship. That requires you to be in his word. Not just here on Shabbat, but every day of your life. And in his presence is where we find true joy. Amen? The second thing that I want to encourage us about joy is that we express joy in our actions. And get this, it's reflected in our countenance. So everyone put a smile on your face right now, because very few of you have a smile. Just telling you from my perspective, it's reflected in Myrna. Behave yourself on the front row. It's reflected in our countenance. Now, I know, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, I know that sometimes we feel like I don't have a reason to be joyful, and we're going to deal with that in a minute. So hang on. We're going to get there. This is my famous line from past joy messages. I know you're waiting for it. Some of us walk around looking like we've been sucking on a lemon, right? And that look is just not fitting for a child of the King Most High who is a God of joy who expects us to walk in joy. And I hear your little mind saying, but Rabbi Kara, you don't know the hell I've gone through this week. No, I don't. But I know the hell I go through, not this past week, it was pretty decent except the lack of sleep. And I know that I have to apply this word into my life just like you do. And I want to encourage you, take the lemon out of your mouth, all right, and let the joy of the Lord, that it's in you. The joy is in you, I want to tell you, because it's a fruit of the, the, the Ruach. But like, you know, there were apples in that tree, but I didn't know it because they hadn't yet came out, and it took quite a few years, whatever the process. I mean, I'm not an apple tree grower. I just know I have an apple tree in the backyard now. Uh, but it took quite a few years for that fruit to manifest. Some of you have been believers for many, many years, and this fruit still hasn't manifested in your life. Just saying something's wrong there, because 
we should be transformed from the inside out, and we talk all about this at Shavuot time, and part of that transformation, again, it's not just about the power and signs and wonders, although I want to see those, but it's about this fruit being evident in our life. So we need this to be seen in our actions and our countenance. We cannot say we are joyful and it doesn't show up on our face. Just saying, guys. And people are watching you. So you think if you do the power and signs and wonders, they're going to be drawn to God. But I'm going to tell you, they're going to be drawn more by his love that you demonstrate. The, these, these fruit that you are joyful, that you are patient. I know that's a message coming up, but some of you need some savlanut. That's a Hebrew word for patience. Savlanut on your jobs and things like that, right? So people can see God in you. So two dozen, dozen times, Joy is associated with shouting, and two dozen times in the scripture, joy is associated with singing. So listen to these voices, voices, verses. <laughs> listen to these verses that tell us how to demonstrate joy in our actions. <sighs> Tehillim 47.1 says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with cries of joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, clap our hands, right? But let all who take refuge in you, Tehillim 511, let them shout for joy. Okay, you guys did good on the clapping, but no one's shouting yet, okay? Okay, see? Yes, exactly. Christine is like, I'm holding it back. I'm waiting. Tehillim 81, verses 1 and 2 says, Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout to the God of Yaakov. Start the music. Beat the drum. That's Wayne's job. Play the sweet lyre and the lute. Joy, right? Connected to worship. That's why you got to get here. Again, I'm putting a plug in here. I said this uh, a month or so ago. No condemnation. But my goodness, get here on time. Just, just saying. Just get here on time. You're missing out on, on what God is doing in the worship part, all right? And come ready, ready to, to worship. When you hear the beat of the drum and you hear the shofar blowing and the, and the instruments playing, be ready to rejoice in the presence of God. Amen? Tehillim 95, verses 1 and 2. We do this as an opening psalm sometimes. And we do it in Hebrew too. Uh, Come, let's sing to Adonai. Let's shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You thought I was going to sing it, didn't you? <laughs> let's come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout for joy with songs of praise. See, this is how we should be. So I am a joyful noise section, but if you stand by me, I do make noise. Just saying, all right? You know, I will sing, and if I'm in the circle, I sing the, 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 the words to the song uh, because that's part of my worship, unless it's a real fast one, and then I can't sing and dance at the same time because I get really worn out. Um, but, or if you're standing up there beside me, I will shout, and I will cry out to God with worship. So, and I've shared my testimony before because I don't have a good voice. It's not that I'm always off key, but again, my range is very limited, you know, and I have a sister who sings beautifully. I mean, she has a beautiful voice. She's a soprano, and she sings great, you know. And, I mean, I was in the choir once in junior high, but it's because my locker partner, he said, will you come with me? So I went, 
and I struggled the whole time. But anyway, a different story. So, but I struggled because everyone knew my sister as the one who could sing beautifully. And, you know, uh, sometimes I would hear a song, and I'd bring it, and I'd say, oh, there's this song that I heard, and oh, let your sister sing it, right? Because they, they knew that I couldn't sing that as good as my sister could, and that really inhibited me. So I was very self-conscious, even in worship service, to sing out loud because I knew I couldn't sing as nice as my sister Peggy could. But God delivered me of that, you know, and... Uh, and that's why if you stand beside me, you are going to hear me make my noise to the Lord. And if I'm standing beside you, I should hear you making your noise to the Lord. If you can't sing worth a lick, then come shout and make the joyful noise with me. God doesn't care what we sound like. He just wants us to express our worship to him. And all of this here, here in the, uh, all of the, <laughs> my mouth there. All of the Tehillim, the Psalms that we have read, because David was a worshiper, talk about the expression of joy in our worship. So we need to shout, we need to sing, we need to clap, clap our hands so that joy is seen when we come to this place of worship. Luke 6, 22 through 23. We've left one component out, and that's dancing for joy. Luke is the one who tells us to dance. It's Yeshua speaking. And he says to his Talmud team, how blessed are you whenever people hate you? Really, Yeshua? Ostracize you, insult you, and denounce you as a criminal on account of the Son of Man. Yeshua says, be glad when that happens. Doesn't only say be glad. Then he says, dance for joy. See, Yeshua believes in dancing. He said, dance for joy when these things happen. But these are bad things happening, Yeshua. I don't have a reason to dance when someone's insulting me and they're treating me badly and et cetera, et cetera. There's no reason to dance. Yeshua says the opposite. He says, be glad. Not only be glad, but dance for joy. So we need to dance in the presence of God. And you may say, I can't dance up in that circle like you, Rabbi Carol. I've told you, Chris and I and Dan will keep you going at least in the right direction. All right? And that's, yeah, because that's all that matters. And you don't have to dance here in the circle. You can dance in your seat. It doesn't matter. And you should be dancing at home. I was listening to worship, uh, you know, because I always find something on YouTube in my devotional time usually. And this uh, was a worship service. And, and the person says, now get up and dance, you know, on your problems and things. And so my family's sleeping. I'm up early. And I got up, and uh, there in my living room, I'm dancing around if Someone that looked in my back door, they would think, what in the world is this woman doing in there? But I was dancing in the presence of God. Amen? So this needs to be seen. And so you know, you're thinking, well, Rabbi Carol, that's all in the public service. So, but how does it happen outside? Because if you are joyful here in the public service, again, it's going to be uh, seen in your face and your countenance is going to radiate, and the scriptures talk about that, how as believers we radiate, right? We are that, that light, like I said in the Devar Torah, little blurb there, that we should radiate, radiate the joy of the Lord. And then I like this verse here from the message translation. It says in Tehillim 9-2, I'm whistling. I can't whistle either, sorry. <laughs> I'm whistling. I'm laughing. And I'm jumping for joy. 
I'm singing your song, Most High God. Friends, that's what should be happening in this sanctuary, and it's what should be happening in your home, and yes, even on the workplace. Not that you're going to sing out loud, but there should be a skip in your step because the joy of the Lord is inside of you, and it's your strength. So you have a skip in your step. You have a smile on your face. Your countenance is radiating with the joy and love of the Lord that is oozing out of every pore of your being. But, unfortunately, that's not always the case. And that's what God wants to change in each one of us. No matter where you're at in this scale of letting the fruit blossom, we can all let a little more fruit come out in our lives. Amen? So how do we walk in joy? This is my last point. The first point is abiding in the vine. Goes back to the the fact that joy is found in his presence. So from Yochanan chapter 15, reading just two verses here, verses 4 and 5. Stay united with me as I will with you. For just as the branch can't bear fruit by itself, hello? The branch can't bear fruit by itself. Let me say it again. The branch can't bear fruit by itself. Some of you are trying to do things by yourself. You don't have devotions regularly. You barely make it to service. You don't pray, pray regularly. And again, this is not condemnation, but what I'm telling you is that's trying to do things by yourself. It ain't going to work, folks. It ain't going to work. Because he says, apart from the vine... You cannot bear. He says, stay united with me as I am with you, for just as the branch can't bear fruit by itself apart from the vine, so you cannot bear fruit apart from me. I am the vine, Yeshua said, and you are the branches. Those who stay united with me and I with them are the ones who bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can't do a thing. How much fruit do we bear if we're connected to him? Much. Thank you for paying attention. Much. That one little word, bear much fruit. In Hebrew, arbe fruit. Lots of fruit. We should be bearing fruit right and left in our lives. Beginning with the fruit of the spirit, there's the other fruit, the fruit of souls. But right now, we're focusing on the fruit of the spirit. This fruit should be oozing out of us, friends. People should see love flowing from you. They should see this joy in everything that you do when you're around them, even when things are going wrong. And that takes me to the second reason, or the second way to walk in joy. Focus on the right things. The only way my actions and my countenance can demonstrate the glory of God and the joy of the Lord is by keeping my focus on the right things. You have no clue some of the things that I have been through in the last few years. Why do you not know? Because this countenance doesn't tell you. Not that I'm hiding anything from you. There's been personal things, right? You don't know because I don't let this countenance say anything about those personal struggles that I may be going through. There are times where I've shared with you uh, things, you know, th some of the struggle, and it's not hiding things, but it's making a choice to focus on the right things. The reality is God helps 
me through those personal struggles like he helps you. But if we don't focus on the right thing, then we won't let joy or love or anything else come out of us. Again, I hear the little brains, Rabbi Carol. So you went through something tough. Big deal, Rabbi Carol. It's not as bad as what I'm going through. I know that's what some of you are saying in your mind. And that's okay because, you know, you're not walking in my shoes and I'm not walking in your shoes. The reality is, as I said earlier, storms come to all of us, right? And my storm is tough for me just like your storm is tough for you. But it's what we do in that storm. If we focus on the storm, joy, love, peace will leave us. But if we focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that joy is going to remain constant. And look at this example. Rob Shaul and Silas, Acts chapter 16. They got thrown into jail. This was in Philippi. They got thrown into jail for what? Preaching the good news. So it comes about midnight. So what do Rob Shaul and Silas do? They start singing and praising God. They don't start complaining. They don't say, God, where are you at? Why have you left me? We're in, in you know, jail back in the ancient time. My son will give you a whole detail about the jails there. But uh, jail was not as nice as some of the jails we have today. Just saying they were dungeons. They were in shackles. And they didn't get bummed out. And they didn't focus on the fact that they were in jail. They focused on God Almighty. And we sung today, there is no rival. Thank you, Adeline. That should get a bigger amen. There is no rival to our God. Amen. No one compares to him. He has no equal. He is God Almighty. He is uh, uh, full of power. There is no limit to what he can do. Nothing, he says, is impossible for him and for those who believe in him. So, Rav Shaul, amen. Rav Shaul and Silas in that prison, which was a pretty bad place to be, I can tell you, they made a choice to focus on God Almighty. And by focusing on God Almighty, they worshiped. And when they worshiped, the chains broke. Hello, just saying. The chains broke when? When they worshiped. Some of you in the midst of the difficulty that you're going through, you need to practice what you've heard us say many, many times. You need to put that worship music on day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day, until the chains fall off. Hello? Until the chains fall off. So Rob, Shaul, and Silas had the reason not to be joyful. But they didn't focus on that reason. They focused on God Almighty. Not only did their chains come off, but it impacted the Philippian jailer who came to faith that impacted that whole town. So when you and I focus on the right things and allow this fruit to flow through us, not only is it going to benefit us because the joy of the Lord is our strength, so they were strengthened there because they were rejoicing in the Lord. Not only will we be strengthened, but other people will be impacted by your life. Trust me, people know that you're going through stuff. They see it. And when they can see that you uh, are abiding in the presence of God Almighty, you're staying connected to the vine, that you're not letting your countenance get down and you're not getting bummed out about everything and you're not complaining or whining, which is a lesson downstairs, don't complain today. Just a tidbit for parents, you could just reinforce to your kids. You learned about not complaining today, so if anyone complains, they 
I know, none of our kids complain, right? <laughs> but focus on the right thing. And Rav Shul says this to the Kehillah at Corinth, I am confident in you and I'm very proud of you that you have filled me with encouragement in spite of all your troubles and overflowing with joy. How can you be joyful when the world around you seems to be falling apart? And I get it. There have been seasons where that is exactly what I have felt like. My whole world is falling apart. In the book that we're doing for our woman's study, she talks about often where you have this vision of your perfect life, right? And your perfect life uh, is simply that. It's a vision that's not the reality that, that, you're, that you're living right now. And what do you do in that moment? Well, my encouragement, I believe, is God's encouragement to focus on the right things. And in focusing on the right things, which is him, joy will be in your heart, even if, listen to me, even if nothing changes. Oh, Rabbi Carol, I can't take it if nothing changes. Listen to me, friends. I believe for things to change in your life. Rabbi Michael and I pray for situations and things to change. But we have to have the heart of the prophet Habakkuk. Chapter 3, verses 17 and following, he says, For even if the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vine, even if the olive tree fails to produce, and the fields yield no fruit at all, even if the sheep vanish from the sheep pen, and there are no cows in the stalls, friends, that's pretty desperate picture he's painting there. Even if all this happens, verse 18, he says, still, I will rejoice in Adonai. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Elohim Adonai is my strength, and he makes me swift and sure-footed as a deer and enables me to stride over my high places. How could he be sure-footed because I don't care what happens. The worst case scenario, even if everything is as bleak as bleak as could be, still I will rejoice. My encouragement to you is still rejoice. In the midst of whatever you are going through, still rejoice. And in that rejoicing, you will find a strength because God's word is true. God does not lie. And like Habakkuk, he will give you sure feet to navigate over those places to a place of safety and strength. To the congregation at Thessalonica, he said, Rav Shaul, in the first chapter of the first Thessalonians, verse 6, you indeed became imitators of us and the Lord, so that even though you were going through severe troubles, you received the word with joy. 
I pray that today, as I come to the close of this message, that you could receive this word with joy, even if you're in a tough spot right now. And again, I'm not minimizing your tough spot by any means, you know, so don't take my words as doing that. I'm just saying that we all have tough spots, and we have a choice, which is my last point here. So in each of these situations that I mentioned, people were faced with troubles and hardship. Life presented challenges to them, but they didn't focus on that challenge. They focused on God, who's greater than that. So we have a choice to rejoice. And somewhere in my files is a message entitled that from years past. I can remember that was the title of a message. Philippians chapter 4, Rob Shaul speaks about rejoicing more in this book than anywhere else. And he writes this book from prison not the prison he was in when he sang with Silas. He's now in prison waiting for trial on, you know, so he's in Rome uh, waiting for trial uh, about his trial and his case to come. And he says to them, rejoicing is a theme throughout this book. And he demonstrated once again his ability to choose to rejoice just as he had when he was in jail in Philippi. So they know his testimony. They knew what happened to him. They knew he got thrown into jail there in their town, and they knew that in the midst of that situation, he made a choice to rejoice. And he's telling them, I know the opposition you are facing and the challenges of life, but my exhortation to you, Philippians 4.4, 4, is rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. I get it, things are tough, but I'm telling you to rejoice. And just in case you weren't sure what I said, like, uh, excuse me, Rabbi Shaul, what did you say? You didn't say rejoice, did you? He says, again, I say rejoice. And he's already said rejoice several times through this book to this congregation. Let me put it this way, friends. No circumstance in life should ever rob you of the joy of the Lord. No circumstance in life should ever rob you of the joy of the Lord. Joy is part of our nature. It's our character because it's his fruit that is in us. I want to close with a quote from the book we studied last year in our women's group, which was entitled Contagious Joy. And I want to encourage us that that's what we need to have. Joy is contagious, all of these fruit. People are going to be attracted to the fruit, not to the clanging cymbal noise that we make sometimes with our mouths. We need these fruit to be evident. So in the, it's from the introduction of her book, just a couple of paragraphs to, as we close here. She said, we believers have the commission to spread joy in this world in order to combat the insidious spread of hopelessness. Now, don't, don't misunderstand when I say spread. I don't mean like smearing peanut butter across a slice of bread. I don't mean that we should try to apply uh, joy onto others. No, true joy spreads as we live out God's way in our lives with such cred credibility that others move closer to purposely catch it. And she talks a lot in that introduction about overcoming hopelessness by joy. She says, how does joy combat hopelessness? Again, she says, I'm not talking about any syrupy substitute of overdone niceness, yuck. 
her words, not mine. I'm speaking of joy that uh, burbles up from your relationship with Messiah, joy that will cause your toes to tap, your heart to giggle, your dreams to return, and your spirit to be refreshed, your vision to expand, and your dance card to fill, and what fun to have a case of something others want. You won't have to convince others about joy because joy will cast her net of authenticity and draw in even the reluctant. Joy is just that appealing. And she ends her introduction by stating, joy is infectious, joy is transmittable, spreadable, and catching. In a word, joy is contagious. Friends, the joy of the Lord should be oozing out of us. You don't have to come and tell me I'm joyful. Okay, and neither should you have to say those words to your fellow workers or your family members. All of these fruit. If we're going around telling people, I'm a loving person, okay, right there, something's wrong. I'm a joyful person, right there, something's wrong. These are fruit. And what do you do? The apple tree doesn't tell me, you know, I'm an apple tree. It just bears the fruit, and I know it's an apple tree. And the same with us. We are ruach-filled believers. And the fruit of the Spirit should be hanging from the trees of our life. And it will be attractive to those around us. So let's stand to our feet. So I pray that, pray that this week your life will be blossoming with the fruit of the Spirit. Especially with love and joy as we talked about this last couple of weeks. I'm going to just close this in prayer. I've asked... Uh, Myrna and Gary, and I'm going to ask Adeline to come join us. We're going to pray for you. If you have anything that you need prayer for, don't leave without getting prayer this morning. Uh, again, just uh, someone to agree with you for whatever situation you may be facing. Uh, so we want to take time to do that after I close with Ronic Benediction. Remember, no uh, prayer this afternoon, uh, but we have an ONED committee meeting. Uh, so uh, after I'm done with prayer, I'll slip upstairs. Uh, we're going to plan out the last half of the year. If you'd like to join the ONED committee, you're welcome to join us upstairs. Uh, I mean, a lot of you help bringing this stuff, but if you want to be on the other side of organizing and planning, you are welcome to join us. And again, that will take place after I'm done praying here. Uh, and just one other last announcement I didn't make earlier. Ted Pierce is coming July the 6th. We have an event set up on our Facebook page. Share, invite other people to come. It'll be a good uh, morning of worship with Ted. Uh, it's been uh, quite a few years since we've had him in, and so it would be good to renew uh, our uh, uh, connection and friendship with him there. Uh, so just and check the other calendar things that we have special things coming up starting in the month of July. You'll be getting information from us. So let me close with a really benediction as you guys come on up here so you're ready in place to pray. Again, do not leave. If you have something that is weighing you down, Come up here so someone can pray with you, okay? It's just a prayer of agreement. Uh, it's God who's going to do the touching. So let me just speak this blessing. May God's peace rest upon you. May his countenance shine on you. May you be uh, filled, filled and overflowing with joy this week. May it just ooze out of you. B'shem Yeshua. Shabbat Shalom. God bless you. Again, if you have anything you would like us to pray for, come on down. Nothing can separate Even if I ran away You 